Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are here to bring you all the outdated news and important news from the Australian beer world and beyond. And Merry Christmas, especially to the 46 family and friends at Bolter who received a significant payout of over $200 million from what we hear. Yeah, the numbers are pretty variable depending on who you ask, but I think we're going to end up about $200 million once all the sort of... KPIs down the track are met and <laughs> yeah, so it's a, pieces. It's a reasonable amount. Yeah, it's definitely a conditional sale based on, you know, sales figures down the line. But yeah. You would assume things are going to go okay still? I would assume they so. They were well established enough. But anyway, they sold to CUB. Um, and Scotty Hargraves, head brewer, staying on. Yep. Everyone else is staying on. Yep, Sterling's staying on. Um, all the surfers are staying on. I think the whole board's staying on for five years. So it's not going to be a huge change? No. Like, outwardly? No, not outwardly. Um, and I think Bolter's brand isn't massively um, crafty. You know, it's people who are entry craft. I don't know how much independence matters to yeah. a lot of their drinkers. It's... I guess the the thing that I worry about, which is the same thing I worried about with Pirate Life, which has been somewhat vindicated, is I worry about the freshness and condition. Yep. I don't think I've seen good condition Pirate Life anywhere near as much. Like good... No. Like recently canned and... That's been my biggest problem because it is much more accessible. Yeah. There's been heaps, probably more limited releases with Pirate Life. I think there's more. Um, but I haven't been able to find their basic beers in as good condition as I used to. And that's my worry with Bolter because those beers really need to be fresh. Really XBA need to be fresh. and Captain Sensible. And even the Pilsner, you'd want pretty fresh, I reckon. Although I think that Pilsner has been dumbed down a bit yeah. when it got changed to lager. And... Yeah, so they, they, are they not the, they too no, separate? Are they the dumb, same thing? Okay. They, they replaced Pilsner with lager which because Pilsner was a little too challenging for that uh, Exceedingly market. disappointing. Yeah. But we're all, all learning things on the Beer Clog podcast. <laughs> Um, and yeah, well, our comments for, from last podcast weren't that wrong, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, you may listen and say, wow, they were really wrong. But, um, don't go back and listen to last podcast. You're not missing anything important. Well, we definitely didn't know about the 46 family and friends. Investors. No, I guess it was more about our comments were more in talking about their fiscal stability rather than, I don't know. We, we did pretty much say we didn't think they would sell, but it was also kind of flippant. Yeah. Um, but we I will, you know, come hat in hand and say, I probably got that one a bit wrong. Got that one wrong. Um, but I think they sold for the right reasons. Get the investment back to the people that they that believed in them, secure the jobs of all their, you know, employees going forward. Yeah, look, it's... I want to say it's hard to get annoyed at, and it kind of is. Like, it's just... It is what it is. We're so used to this now. And I mean, the interesting one, which actually you brought up, initially was um how it's going to impact their hottest 100 results and i'm very interested to see that too and i think i said at the time i'd be very surprised if they hit number one again i'm gonna stick by that and say it on i don't think they'll hit number one but i doubt they'll drop as far as feral have previously and pirate life did i reckon they'll still be xba will still be top three uh and i i reckon the others will have a much bigger hit though it's interesting to see if the exponential growth of like this, the amount of people voting in the hottest 100 actually leads to pretty much no fall off. Because this, that, that's what my theory is. Like as the hottest 100 gets bigger, the importance of independence almost diminishes. Yeah, because there's less p- 
people in the bubble, the people in the bubble who care about independence, their votes being diluted by the sort of fringe craft drinker who will be drinking your squires and your bolters and your stone and woods and <laughs> which you know and, and squires and things still make it on there yeah exactly yeah. i guess further to that is also the fact that the amount of brands that are selling now it makes it harder to pinpoint independence even with the seal but like you think about the amount of people who've sold it four pines green bacon and stuff it just gets so much harder for the the average person to distinguish between what's independent what's not exactly name. and it's not helped by people like hawkers who are staunchly independent not having the seal because they <laughs> disagree with some of the stuff the IBA do. <laughs> yeah, and like Hawkers is one of those ones that might not seem independent with their core range. Like, we obviously know that they are, but um, if you look at their core range, you're like, oh, it's just another pale ale. It looks honestly like another another tribe thing or another brick lane sort of Especially thing. Especially since the rebrand. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting going forward. Another point I wanted to bring up, which um, uh, was... Andre Sammartino, who is Professor of Business and Strategic Management at the University of Melbourne, was interviewed by the Crafty Pint and said, the CUB portfolio now seems overfull of craft brands. And that's an interesting... I wonder if we're going to end up with regionalisation of these craft brands. Yeah. Which is almost not what these brands sell out for. They sell out to... To be national. To, but... to be national and to like fund their expansion. But now that they've got, you know, almost one in every state... You'd assume tap wise there's just not enough room to put that's right you're going to want to go to a pub and see you know four pines pale ale um you know next to a bolter next to a a green beacon it's just sort of like yeah i almost do (laughs) oh look i wouldn't be against it i'm just saying is there any chance that will happen no i don't think so i don't Um, think so you get i mean the closest you get now you look at some of lion's portfolio if you might get a panhead and a kosciuszko and a squires yep pale all next to each other yes you might get three or four add one of those you know, one of those pubs that has like 20 taps and they're all macro kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks like there's such an array. Yeah. You're like, wow, four of the pale with the same hot pill. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I know it's an intriguing one. I, I got to say, I'm not super stoked about this. I'm kind of a bit tired of all this wheeling and dealing. And I would like the big, I don't know, I would... I'd be devastated if Stone and Wood sold out, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of, I like having there being some big independent names. Yep. And I would really be sad to see them all fall by the wayside. And Bolt is such a big name. Um, I was mildly disappointed in that regard. I know that the beer will pretty much be the same and it will be more accessible. But just from an independent ownership point of view, I liked being more than Stone and Wood and Coopers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I definitely don't think I'll buy as much Bolter. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I really like their mid strength, but I've never been a huge fan. It's going to sound like sort of revisionist history, but like I've, their beers have always been good and clean, and they're a good option when you don't have a lot of choice. There's often a bolter. Yeah, they're they're always at like um, BWS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I. Yeah, I mean, I certainly like bolter, but um, I don't wouldn't say I bought them heaps, and that's probably not going to change. I'll probably still buy the mid strength and stuff. Yeah, good luck to them. I yeah, yeah, good luck to them. Um, and it's a nice success story. Yes, definitely, definitely. And you know, very rapid rise, and I'm sure they'll keep going from strength to strength. Yeah, I think we'll just see more XBA around, and yeah, probably less of the other stuff. Yeah, which is you know, it's not. They still make old brown. No, <laughs> no, that was great beer. This has been a very devastating podcast for me <laughs> so far. Uh, on to other sales. This one, a weirder one. 
Um, Ballast Point sold to tiny outfit Kings and Convicts at a price tag purported to be between 60 and 70 million. That may not be totally correct. It sounds Again, about right. Though. So many numbers being thrown yeah. around. Um, which is just all the more surprising considering it sold for a billion US. Yes, well, that's, what, that's the four years ago. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'd heard, we've mentioned stories of them tipping out beers in the barrel program, massive scaling down, brew pubs closing. So this yeah. is not yes. shocking, but the, who purchased it is the shocking part. They've halved their output in the four years since the sale from 400,000 barrels to 200,000 barrels approximately. Yeah. And as we Which is like looked 24 before, still a shit. Yeah, it's still like 25 million <laughs> liters of beer. But it's much less than 50. Yeah, a lot less. Um almost half as much. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, so I I don't know heaps about Kings and Convicts. I mean, I don't think anyone did. Yeah. <laughs> um Kings and Convicts are a brewery in Chicago and they were putting out something like 600 barrels of beer. Which is a pretty big comparison. You said 249 Instagram followers or something before something the sale? Something like that. Yeah. Like 300, I think. Yeah. Uh, before the sale. Um, but they have a lot of money from their uh, you know, backers. It would be naive to think this is a 600-barrel brewery buying a 200,000-litre brewery. Yeah. That's not quite what's happening here. Yeah, and it was always kind of, what's the angle here? What's Has this guy just got crap with the money? But it seems to be an outside investor. Yeah. And... Um, so Brendan Waters is an Australian guy, um, and he's been into like boutique hotels. Yeah. Um, so my take on it is that he's going to use these brew pubs that they've bought and effectively brand them as you know hotel Ballast yeah, Point yeah. hotels. Yeah. And roll out Ballast Point branding to his other hotels and. Well, it's just sort of it gives you such diversity in kind of the business space if you can have a brand that big. Exactly, and like. It's a point of difference if you're in a town with three shitty hotels, but one has Ballast Point beer. Are you going to stay there? Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> are you going to stay at the other two? Probably means Kings and Convicts can push out more too if you have side by side with Ballast well, Point. Well, you'd assume they use their distribution arm to yeah. put their own brand out there if they want to Assuming they want to. Yeah. yeah that's a thing. Um, also, Richard Mahoney, yep. who is wine industry guy. Um does has a bunch of sort of you know San Francisco wines have a lot of box wine. He apparently put a lot of money into it. Yeah. So there's sort of two guys, both with a lot of money from other interests, who essentially see Ballast Point as something they can add to their portfolio. And and I think at that price, it's not terrible value. No, you wouldn't have thought so. I mean, you'd assume if they're offloading it at that price, they're either they're probably desperate to get rid of it. Yeah, and who knows why they're desperate to get rid of it, but it possibly did its job from a business point of view yeah. four years ago. Like, if you get buy Ballast Point effectively to get rid of it, yeah. you know, they've, they've done it. that. Well, well, they've done that well, yeah. if that was the aim. Did they get a billion, well, 940 million out of it? Probably not. Yeah. But, you know. These things are, you, you may get that in the big jobs. They wouldn't, Constellation wouldn't have sold this without thinking about why they're doing it yeah <laughs> like <laughs> i think this would have been uh, probably not getting falling into like a sunk cost fallacy thing of being like oh no we've spent so much money it's probably been like no we should really cut our losses yeah. here and yeah yeah um so i guess Mint should see what happens i'm gonna keep a close eye on it it'll um, be interesting i assume we'll still get ballast point beer here yeah i mean i only really see it occasionally at dan's like yeah it comes in and sells out pretty quickly and then comes yeah. in again and it's definitely more of a market for a lot of that stuff. 
I think it's just you got to do it right. Like you can't be like stone and try to saturate the market because no one buys stone in Australia. And then stone beer sits on the shelf and gets gross and old. Yeah, they put one year expiration date, sometimes longer on them, and it's just kind of like they yeah they send us not they send Australia not super fresh stock to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Ballast Point did it properly, and yeah, the beer's pretty fresh when it gets here. They actually send the amount they think they're going to sell rather than. And it then it sells yeah. and it's good and then people go where is it and then they get more fresh beer in and, and then it sells yeah. and you create this demand and so I mean hopefully we don't see any difference in that regard I yeah. imagine we're probably one of their most stable markets <laughs> they were selling beer in all fifty U S states and nineteen countries including us South Korea and New Zealand who are apparently the three big ones there you go which is interesting probably because we're three craft conscious countries that are have disposable income yeah exactly. So another sale, yeah, it's a sale. It's a sale. Uh, Little World Beverages, who is sort of Lions International kind of um, yeah, it's one of these. It's it's a subsidiary of Kirin, but it's probably bigger than Kirin <laughs> now. Like it's a bit ridiculous. Um, they purchased New Belgium anyway. Yeah, it's the company that the Little Creatures guys started. Yeah, and that's what they sold to Kirin. <laughs> Slash Lion, when that all went down. So it's sort of like New Belgians almost become Australian? I yeah. Mean, not quite, but you know, <laughs> we can think of it that way. Australian, but Korean. but Yeah. yeah. Somewhere around there. Um, but yeah, so New Belgians pretty, I don't know, they've been pretty independent for a long Staunchly time. Staunchly independent. Yeah. I think they're not as, perhaps not as big of a name as they once were. No, no, I don't think so. They're, I think they're still huge in America. I think yeah. Fat Tire gets a lot of love over there, but we don't and, uh, really drink Amber. Some of their barrels, stuff like La Folie. La Folie is great. Yeah. They got, I mean, they've got good beer. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not saying that they don't have good beer, but I mean, in terms of relevancy, they're certainly not quite as... We had a transatlantic creek from them a while ago. Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. yeah their barrel aged stuff's really good. Yeah, it's um, really good. But yeah, I don't think there is you know, New Belgium selling now is nowhere near a big of a, as big of a deal as it would have been five years ago. No, maybe. definitely not. It's definitely doesn't have the same sort of pizzazz yeah, as it yeah. did. And is that because they don't do hazies? Possibly. You know, is it like, because fat tires kind of like the little creatures pale of America, is it? Yeah. Um, anyway, they, they had the employee ownership program where the employees sort of had stock and things and they were all bought out. So 300 employees received, saying a median 100k payout, which is about roughly what we heard, but of course it's different for each person. Yeah, because it was done off tenure and stuff like that. But good way to pl- placate this off. And... Yeah, very much so. Um, although I think it was not what the ownership had in mind when they gave the employees the stock option. Yeah, yeah you would have thought. So. It's more probably more of a buy-in from them rather than... Hey, you get paid out when we get bought out. Yeah, so it sounded like the when they did the employee ownership, they effectively got the employees a loan to buy their shares. Yeah, um, and what my understanding is that the loan, the employees couldn't service the debt on the loan, and so they their stock was acquired by someone else, and then they had enough stock to basically kick the other owners out. Jeez, that's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, sort of not a good cautionary tale, perhaps. Because Kim Jordan, who's one of the owners, has always been very staunchly independent. Yeah. So it's quite um, interesting. Well, we should say one of the partners, Dick Cantwell, resigned. Big big name in brewing, Dick Cantwell. Yeah. Um, he had bad experience with AB InBev and then didn't want to be part of selling brewery again. So Off he's gone. Yep. Advised them not to do it and they didn't listen, so he's left, which is fair no, enough. Fair enough. Stick to your guns. Yeah. 
Going to go find another brewery to be a part of for 10 years that then gets probably sold. Probably, and <laughs> just keep making money, it seems to yeah. work for it. Yeah, well, that's true. He's probably not uh, hat in hand at the uh, unemployment. No. Um, speaking of hands, Anderson Valley, another big brewery, probably another one that would have been bigger five years ago, except, you know, they've already, they already sold. And this yep. one's kind of interesting because, as you put it, they've actually sort of become more craft by this sale. Yeah, well... The way that it's being pitched, yeah. you know, at the moment is to, I think it's two brothers? Yeah. No, father and son. Father and son. Yeah. Right. But to a family. Yeah. Two local attorneys. Yes. But are they, is that just a front for venture capitalism? Probably. Or, or a small venture capitalism yeah. of the two of a them. A slightly smaller venture capital than HMB Holdings who previously. Yeah, exactly. Um, this but one... yeah, they were getting a lot of sort of backlash online for selling out. And it's like, well, we've already done it before. And now we're really becoming more craft than we were. Yeah. <laughs> like These two, they, I mean, they say they want to preserve the spirit and culture of the brewery, which of course they're going to say, but I mean, I assume there's some vested interest. As in long there. as they keep brewing gozers, I think they'll be fine, because yeah. that's really what they're known for. Yeah, and I think they'll, they'll probably be okay in that regard. But it's an interesting one, because they're sort of, I guess, kind of like Kings and Convicts buying Bellas Point, but this one's sort of even more of a sort of selling down a bit. Yeah. Um, it's all about, I guess, finding the level of production that you can function at in the market. And um, I guess Anderson Valley is kind of interesting. I mean, then maybe they don't sell as well in America as I would have thought. Or Yeah, I, I have no idea how well they So no, they go. sell well internationally. Yeah. Like, they're quite well-known internationally, but... I assume they're well-known over there. Yeah. You'd... Or at least locally. It would be interesting if uh, any Americans have any insight. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. Um, although that pretty much does it for news. We sort of just had, had the big dockets and then... It's been a big takeover episode. Yeah. And then that's kind of all we've sort of scoured other stuff, but I think that's, we just wanted to... It's been relatively quiet on the beer front the last few weeks. Yeah. Which apart is... from all this. Apart from this sort The of actual, stuff. actual beer, mate. Yeah. <laughs> just been chugging along as usual. We are back. Got some year of the local news, and you're nearly done. Nearly done, as you'd hope. Well, with done with the visiting. What are we? Fifteen days to go <laughs> for the year. Probably less by the time we get this up. Yep. Um. Yeah. Um. Three breweries to go. Two of which are conveniently in the same building. So. Knock that out nice and easy. Yeah. Um. Got all the contract ones done. So yeah, laughing now. Just, yeah, just writing. Yeah, seventy-eight writing. to write. Still, visiting is uh, the hardest part. Yeah, and if either bloody Alchemy or Golden Hills <laughs> open, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, sorry, the cutoff is now. <laughs> basically, basically, um, too busy a time of year. Don't open now. We'll Push do, it to we'll next do year. A, we'll do a scouting report on them next year. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, there's somebody who has been tangentially kind of sort of part of bits of this. I can see how much. I can imagine only imagine how much pointless. Not pointless, but. Aimless feeling driving to get not amazing beer you would have done. and yeah. Yes, yes, there's been a few. And I feel next weekend is going to be the last <laughs> one for a while. The last hurrah. Sort of. A nine-hour return drive for what I assume is not an amazing product. But still, it's why well, it's, you could see Victoria. That's right. You would have seen Victoria very well. Yeah, I'm, I've been through a lot of Victoria I didn't know existed. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, there's obviously been some good breweries. I'm sure. Quite a few. Yeah. Um, quite a few that I had never, would never have found that I was impressed by. 
We'll probably do a, a big rundown episode once finished and get yeah, once it's favorites all done. and so on. Um, we'll work all that out. Um, meantime, we'll just I don't know talk about a few. Yep, so we had had a bonus episode recorded in Geelong when we went up there. Um, probably not going to see the light of day for various technical reasons. Yeah. Um, but we went, you know, Geelong was good. I mean, we don't want to go too in-depth with it, but I think I was, like, reasonably impressed most of the breweries there. Yep. Um, some of them were a bit eh. Yeah, it was sort of a bit. None of them were, like, awful, I don't think, but none of them were... Not many were amazing. Yeah, there was, like, I think Cockies was the best. Yep. That was a real surprise for me. Um... That was... Because they opened like three hours a week or something. Yeah. And... Really weren't expecting much. We That was after we went to Little Creatures and White Rabbit. They're literally just around the corner. Yeah. And, um... Do a were... lot of contract brewing. Hmm? They do a lot of contract brewing. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but yeah, their beer. Yeah, really good beer. A nice sort of little office building converted space. Really friendly people. Yep. Very well-priced beer. Yep. Free cheese. Yep. Donation cheese. Whatever it was. Yeah. But no, it was just really lovely time. Yeah. I had a really nice time, and the beer was just really little, high quality pails and IPAs. And yeah, little jazz band. Yep, yeah. Just a yeah, good vibe and really quality beer. I liked it. Um, other ones want to mention? Everyone's been to Little Creatures by now, you'd assume. Yeah. Black worth Man's, going. Blackman's is good. Yep, Blackman's I would go back to. Yeah. We went to the bar and to the brewery. Yep. Um, Happened to be the hazy release day. Yeah, the we don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. Um, which was green. very nice. Yeah. yeah. little green. Yeah. But comes with the territory. Exactly. Bells Beach was a nice spot. Yeah, it was. Um, Rugby World Cup final yeah, night when pretty, we were there. Pretty flat out. Drinking pints of uh, stout, session yeah. stuff. <laughs> As you do. Um, and Brewery Cola was a cool little, mostly lager-focused spot in that Ocean Grove. weird little brewery, but I liked it. Yeah, it was very unique. Yeah. Um, it's real, real family vibe. Yep. Um, they had lots their own of little family, like, food truck. Yeah, which was the really brewery, cool. which was cool. Um, and they did have very small canning by the looks of it. Yep. Um, and just interesting, because it was like, what, the five lagers and three ales, four yeah, lagers, three ales. something like that. And they had a wheat beer as well, and yeah. It was interesting though, like it was just different. It's not something you find every day. We probably weren't there at the best time considering it was like 18 degrees and raining. That's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> and like it was, yeah, probably not the ideal. Imagine if it was hot and, you know. We'd have had quite a few. You'd I go think. on the beach afterwards. and The other ones were there. We went to the ones that were further out. Uh, Forest, Bickley yep. Moses. Yep. Um, both quite nice. Breakfast at Forest was great. Yeah. Fantastic. The beer was very solid. Um, Prickly Moses, beautiful spot. Yeah. The beer's pretty good. Yeah, um, middle of nowhere. Middle of absolutely nowhere. Um, at a winery. Mm. Yeah. Really lovely. The like, deck overlooking the little pond yeah, thing they yeah. had, that was cool. Really pretty. Like, it could easily kick your feet up and have 10 million there if there was any way to get there without hiring a camel and walking 30 miles yeah. through the desert to yeah. get there. <laughs> it is just in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Which is a shame, but also it probably allows them to have such a pretty... Silly, I think so, yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, take one hand, give it the other. Anything else about Geelong? We found that Crow's Nest beer mm. that uh, I'd never heard of. 
but they've apparently been around for almost ten years. That was at the Queenscliff Brew House. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was a pretty decent pilsner. Yeah, it was good. So that you actually added that one to your list. I added it to the list in the middle of doing it. Which yep. is kind of one of the interesting things about doing this kind of thing. Yeah, the things you find like I don't understand how a brewery can be around that long and. It was an interesting sort of conversation. I was sort of like, look at Tap and I'm like, Angus, do you know what that is? And you're like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> and spent quite too long trying to work it out because yeah. the tap handle wasn't clear. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, um, it just looked like very that, unfamiliar. That's yeah. Um, we did go to the Queenscliff Brew House, so I'll probably mention that. that yeah. Was perfectly acceptable. Yeah, especially in our slightly hungover state. Yeah, that's probably not the best time. Um, yeah. Speaking of, um, I don't know. Don't really have a segue. One one five grill, you didn't like very much. No, that's, that, I was gonna. <laughs> yeah, that's pr- probably the worst experience of the year. Second time you've been there this year as well. Yeah, I know. Jesus, who would thought a brewery doesn't open at lunchtime on Saturday? But you live and you learn. What can you do? Luckily, um, when you got back there, it was all worth. The oh <laughs> Jesus, and that is one of the worst beers I've ever had. Like I left. Half a pot or something, and just that's after couldn't tricking do down the queue, and that, yeah, couldn't yeah. do it. Um, no, so there were probably forty people in there when I went in there, and there were two beers, which should have been a warning sign. Yeah, everyone was on wine at a brewery. I think it's a brewery in the same way that I don't know. This house is a brewery. Yeah, it's not its primary function or even its secondary function. <laughs> I would genuinely be disappointed if we brewed what I was served. There is no way that should have been served. It was gross. It's probably just no quality control. It's where yeah. it's brewed and put out there, and the people who are serving it may not know. I shouldn't speak for them, but there's a high chance that we don't know. Ah, uh, the person who was serving it had no idea. Yeah, absolutely no idea. <laughs> I reckon it is a thing to get. International tourists to have a slightly a point of difference. Well, this is my uh, ballast point idea. You know, yeah. put a put a brewery in the bottom of your hotel and people will come. Or just replace it with one of those auto brew systems you were talking about last well, time. Yeah, <laughs> at least you said that beer was fine. That was good. Like that, that was fine. This is just awful. It's a real Don't shame. Don't go. <laughs> yeah, look, I I think the hotel is quite nice. So yeah, if you want to stay there, I I found that quite pleasant. But um. Yeah, look, the food I had at the restaurant was pretty average, and if the beer's pretty average too, you can probably safely skip it. <laughs> yeah, I would suggest skipping it. Um, there's, you know, Q is close enough to other good things. You've got Beer Deluxe and Black Sheep, the Amber rebrand, yeah. just down the road yeah. one way, and you've got Richmond the other way, so just do one of them instead. Yeah. Um, you went to Brunswick yesterday, check out a few. We've been I to did. Brunswick earlier in the year, you did Inner North and Foreigner, you did a few of the bigger ones. Yeah, I did Temple and Thunder Road yesterday. Um, Temple's looking a bit sad. Is it? Yeah, it's Is sort it? of... I haven't been there for a decade, I reckon. But Yeah, yeah. I reckon the last time I went was a decade ago, and I reckon nothing's changed. Ah, like the um... It was cool a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's very Brunswick. It's got... Nothing's it's changed a... except the Australian and... craft beer scene. <laughs> bicycle's still nicer. Yeah. I, I always think bicycle's a good beer. I like any time as well. Yeah, I had a pint of bicycle just sitting in the beer garden, but it's a bit sort of, I don't know, a bit crap now. Just didn't really feel it. Like yeah. It sort of felt there weren't that many people there. You wasn't got... a lot of love given to yeah, the like surroundings. A, you know when you're pub and the tables are weathered, mm. but like there's the right level of weathered? This was like two or three years past the right Yeah, level. there's like weathered from use and then there's weathered from time. <laughs> yeah, and I reckon these are the same tables from 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's... 
a shame, but also, I don't know. As long as the beer's fine, I mean, I'm, it's probably just more of a venue, like, sort of, to have a venue. Yeah. I think they're... It's also one of those that would probably be fine if it was, like, a Friday night and it was full. And I assume it does. Yeah, it yeah, I assume so. Um, Thunder Road, you said, was a pleasant surprise? Yeah, the beer was better than I thought it would be. Like, I didn't have any of the core range stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... It's always been very average, but, like, not terrible. Yeah. Really. So I had a West Coast IPA that was actually a West Coast IPA, and it was good. And a Nipah with a hop called Sultana that I'd never heard of. Oh, yeah. Single hop Nipah, and it was good. I had this weird berry note. Recently, too, and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. It does seem like there is a genuine push to turn around that culture. Yeah. They're... Ever since they sat next to Dylan and Angus at one night at Via Deluxe in the city, they just thought, wow, we really have to change everything. Had to change everything around yeah. and make it good. I, know, I think they... To be like the owners, when we spoke to them, they yeah. had, were showing a genuine interest in trying to turn things around and become yeah. more modern craft. Yeah. And like, I reckon they've done all right so far and it seems like the beer is getting better. Yeah, I think so. They're hiring more ambitious people. And... I think the brewers are probably hired more brewers. Yeah. Different brewers at least. Yeah, yeah. The thing that really surprised me is how much capacity they have. Their tanks are enormous. They pump out so much. Yeah. So, yeah. What, I wonder what happened with that. You know that? Do you remember that that weird deal where like they were getting like distributed by a Belgian company? Yeah, was, this like, two, very vaguely ago. rings a bell. That was so weird. Like they were getting distributed by a Belgian company. Like they, were, we were getting them distributed to like first choice via a Belgian company. So they're basically leaving, going to like a distribution center of some Belgian company. I don't even know if it was in Australia, and then coming back to us via that. It was just, weird. And then it had a Belgian address and stuff on the back of the beer. And yeah. That was a temporary thing. That was before they rebranded. That was back I wonder if that was, was an excise thing. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Because the beer was really cheap. Um, so maybe maybe you're right. Maybe Almost certainly was an excise maybe. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so finally, just recent stuff, I guess, we're just trying to cover that you wanted to sort of speak out briefly. Um, Yarra Valley. Yeah. Yarra Valley was interesting when we went. It's all pretty okay. Yeah. It's nothing amazing, but it's... It's all nice Coldstream enough. was way better than the last time I went there. Yep. Had a few interesting beers. Um, they're clearly trying to do a bit more. Yep. I like that they have the restaurant and like a beer garden bar area where it's a bit rowdier. And that was a bit rowdy. Yeah. Considering it was quite early. Yeah, <laughs> it was too early to yeah. be that rowdy. And um, it was... The, their main disappointment was their Pilsner wasn't anywhere near as good as I remember it being. No, it was... Yeah. Weird malt building. Yeah. It, there was a bit wrong with that. The, but their IPL with um, the mill, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, they then they had some good little like good collaborations and yeah, they um, had the weird thing with um, Little Brew, which is that little brewery, and the gin company. Yeah, and they did like a gin sour, which was like an eight and a half percent kettle sour gin thing, it was which tasted nice. like it was a kettle sour with gin poured into it. Yeah, but it was pleasantly like perfectly drinkable. And uh, quite enjoyable for what it was. Yeah. It definitely was a sour gin yeah. cocktail taste. Exactly. Thing. And that was like last time I went to Coldstream. Like, I think they had one limited on tap and it was like an English bit. <laughs> it sounds more like what you'd expect. Yeah, so the, I was like, pleasantly surprised that they you know, had XPA and IFL yeah. and this other stuff and they were all pretty decent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the rest of them, I thought Watts River was a lot worse than last time I went there. Um, yeah, Watts River didn't do it for me a lot. The smoked like, beer was lager was fine. Yeah, like pretty clean. Wasn't particularly interesting. No, that's the thing. It was like they had some cool sours and Belgian stuff last time I was there, and this time it was just nothing. Yeah, uh, um, I've got a 
breaded pale that I took away. So that could yeah, be, that could that, be they, cool. they're quite good. The owners didn't seem to be there when we were there. No, it was um, a bit. Like the owners were cool, clean, like cool, and keen to have a chat about sort of how they like Brett and how they do that Brett yeah. pale ale, just stuff like that. Um, we didn't really get any of that. No, but it was fine. Yeah. Um, uh, Zonzo Estate Zonzo is Zonzo It's very pretty Yeah Really beautiful Beers are clean land. Like Yeah look I thought The beers I remember them being good And I still reckon they're good They're good Yeah They only make two And they're pretty basic But it's, they're very well made It's a simple pale And a simple lager And the both lager's well citrusy And yeah. yeah Pale's like clean Bitter Yeah It's nice Not aggressive Both sort of good food beers And also like The fact that we got to have You know a pot the name like I Zonzo has been spoken of pretty frequently as being I wouldn't say hostile but it's not friendly for casual business no but it was perfectly friendly fine. for us like we got to go um, buy a couple six packs very easily got to have a beer and just stand out in the ground so got everyone was totally cool and yeah. it was really pleasant I enjoyed um, it it was I was dreading it and it was far and it was fine than I thought it yeah. was yeah um Detour, which is Napoleon, right in Napoleon's yep. old spot, like literally has just been plonked down. <laughs> well, it is Napoleon, it's just rebranded. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was pretty good. That was, yeah, again, beers were not particularly challenging, but they were doing a couple of interesting things. Yeah, they were that trying sour. Uh, weird Belgian brown. Weird Belgian it's brown, Belgian which was brown. some Belgian stout. At a stretch. Yeah, and it wasn't particularly Belgian. No, <laughs> it was just really a step. Yeah. Um, but that midi was quite good. Yeah. Um, also, they were selling that for pretty Yeah, cheap. we nearly bought a case. I yeah. remember that. Um, it was, yeah, very well priced. And, like, that was that's a pleasant spot. Uh, always has been. Very similar to Napoleon. If you've been in Napoleon before, you'll get a very similar experience. Um, and also, finally, we went to Caltoria's new thing, Hard Road in yep. Bayswater. So it's a combination of Yellingbo and Caltoria, which have turned into Hard Road. Yep. Um, I was not blown away. Yep. I thought it was all right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I wonder if that's partly a new brewery thing, if they'll get that sorted. Because the fit-out was not bad. Yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't super feeling it. I'm yeah. not really sure why. Um, maybe it had just been a long day. Yeah, it I had been at that point. Um, and we had like, what did we have? A multi, there was a multi beer of some description that wasn't very good. I can't even remember. And I'm usually pretty good at remembering. Yeah. They were very uninspiring. Both of yeah. Them. Um, and I say this someone who quite liked Caltoria's beers in the past. One of them was a Caltoria beer rebranded from memory. Yeah. Because like, that seems to be what they've done is they've taken the Caltoria beers, got them like kept the same logo and everything and just to rechange the name. And yeah, yeah basically. Um, I, I would probably, I would like to go back there and at some point in time. They're one of those ones kind of like, kind of like, you know, Bojack or something. Yeah. Where I think there's not this is more prior promise though. Like I thought Bojack's beers were actually pretty good, but like Bojack also had that weirdly sort of sterile feel and I would like to go back and see if it grows into more of an organic feeling place. And I think Hard Road was similar. It may, it may well be a brewery, new brewery thing, like you said. Yeah. We had a, a little big red, which was a 5% red ale. Yeah. Which had a weird herbal hop thing and a weird yeast thing. Cool. According that to my notes, that like sounds Caltoria. yeah. And then we had a Belgian pale, which was quite phenolic and was okay. Yeah, so they're not the easiest beers to remember. No, but but if they'd blown you away, you'd remember the oh, Belgian yeah. pale for sure, for sure. Um, I think they yeah, were I mean, just. I remember a bit... pretty much everything else we had that day, so they were just a bit forgettable. Yeah, 
Um, but you know, fingers crossed. Always want breweries to succeed. Be good, yes, because that means more good beer for us. Yeah, and at some point next year we'll go check them out again. Yeah, go back and check out a few of these ones we're kind of on the fence about. I think that's it for your local. Thing. I think so. That's um, a pretty comprehensive wrap of the last few yeah months. Obviously, a few trips missed. Um, but keep keep your eyes on the blog, and they'll be yeah. So we're gonna look at getting the rest of them up um, early next year. Yeah. Visiting is the important. The visiting and the drinking is that almost done, but the writing will take a bit of time. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back with the ranking of bikes. We are back with the ranking of lagers. This is a segment that I think we're quite fond of. Been going for a little while now. Um, this will be, we've done 15 countries. Yep. Um, and we have got Cantina from El Salvador, Singer from Thailand, and Bira Moretti from Italy. Um, let's go top five, bottom five, what we've got so far. Yep. So our top five favourite lagers we've had so far. So this is do three lagers every episode. We slot them in the ranking somewhere. Um, top five so far, Pilsner El Curl from the Czech Republic, Tenants from Scotland, Carlsberg from Denmark, Kilmez from Argentina, and Kingfisher from India. And the bottom five are Tusker from Kenya, Tiger from Singapore, Red Stripe from Jamaica, Vonu from Fiji, and Kus Kenya coming in at the rear from Peru. Um... We're kicking it off today with Cantina. Yep. Um, Which is from El Salvador. Yeah. Um, so, Industrias La Constancia, which I've probably butchered, yep. is the brewery. Um, and that was founded in 1906 in Santa Ana, which is El Salvador's second largest city. It's the only macro brewery in the country. Um, they actually only have two breweries. The other one's called oh, wow. Cadejo, I think, uh, which is a craft brewery. Um, and, yeah, so... La Constancia was acquired by Saab Miller in 2005. As they all are. Yep. Uh, which would make it an ABI subsidiary now. And we should say that we know that technically Pilsner del, del Salvador is yep. probably... The biggest, but it's not exported, so... Yes, so there's not really any way we could get that realistically. If we do come across one, we're happy to re-evaluate El Salvador. But exactly. as far as but it goes, this is... This is what I understand to be the exported version. Yes, so I doubt we're getting too much different. Alright, so Cantina, I've got to say, we were probably not super excited looking at it. And no, it. clear bottle. Clear beer. <laughs> clear, very, very light-coloured beer. Um, but it's pretty fine. It's There's very little going on. There's a touch of skunk, there's a touch of malt or corn or just sweetness. I think corn sweetness, yeah. Um, but And there's a touch of grassy hops. Yeah, and touch yeah uh, there's a touch of everything it's like someone's dipped their finger in a bag of um you know pops at some stage and... it's almost like this is a second runnings beer yeah or possibly a third runnings beer because it's just no flavor yeah there's really but i mean in terms of what we've had that places it above certain actively offensive ones. exactly exactly um, things that were bad go below inoffensive yeah light flavored this lager. is fine it's not exciting in the slightest but it is not terrible I think if you were in El Salvador, possibly on a beach, yeah, I could drink quite a few of these. Yeah, it's it's a perfectly fine going to a, another small country, and it's really hot, and you just want to drink something beer. Although in El Salvador, we couldn't get this because I think it's the export beer. <laughs> it's a cruel mistress, uh, isn't it? Um, but it's um, yeah, inoffensive. 
gonna... I don't have a lot to say about it because it just there's not a lot going on. It doesn't have a lot to say as a beer, I don't think. But you know, it's very well priced and it's pretty much just I don't know, it's just a Mexican lager kind of thing. It's what it tastes like. Inoffensive Mexican lager, and I suppose if you're looking for a um Corona knockoff. Yeah, like a uh, an alternative. Yeah. Um so I think we're gonna slot it in Number 11 goes um, in between San Miguel and Tosca. I think that's a spot. So um, I think San Miguel was a touch better because it had something going on, but Tosca was sort of the one we had was a bit outwardly unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Number 11, Cantina. It's probably higher than I would have thought, and that's probably not being particularly Definitely going into it, I think, that was higher than I thought. All right, next up is uh, Singer. Pretty famous beer, at least in Australia. I imagine we've all had one at some point in time. Surely, every, every Thai restaurant, has every vaguely Asian restaurant, yeah, usually keeps around. Um, I remember it being a pretty okay beer. Um, we'll see how it holds up. Um, what do you want to tell us about singer? Um, so it's brewed at the Boone Road Brewery, which again I've probably butchered, um, and is still owned by the original family. That's cool. Um, so they got the license from the Thai. Uh, King in 1933. First beers came out in 1934. Um, and it was the first licensed brewery in Thailand. So they've been bought out? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Still family owned, which is quite cool, especially when you hear some numbers that are about to come at you. Um, the logo on the top of the bottle is the Garuda. Um, and that's basically a royal seal of approval like the Carlsberg one has. Um, and that in Thailand, that means that you're a financially stable company producing quality products. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, the singer is the mythological lion. Yep. From Hindu culture and other Southeast Asian mythologies. Yep. Um, and they are currently producing 1.25 billion litres of beer Jesus. per annum, of which only 10% is exported. Do you reckon... Does singer just make... This lager. They make a couple of others, but this is the majority yeah, of production. Yeah. They also make another billion litres of soft drink. That's, so they make more beer than soft drink. That's a good ratio. Yeah. Um, the Thai royal family are very interesting. Yes. Um, and very another loved. intriguing part of it. Yes. Um, this is a slight aside, but there is a great little story in Singapore there is a huge palace of Thai royalty um, that was put there, you know, long, long time ago, well before Singapore was established. And it's right smack bang in the middle of the business district. It is massive, massive. And they have had obscene offers from the Singapore government to buy them out. Yeah. And they have just said, no, nah, sorry, the king put this here. This is staying here. So you have this gigantic Thai palace in the middle of Singapore's Singapore. CBD. And it's just... I don't know, it just says a lot about how they, how much they respect the royal family. That's and how pretty amazing. unwilling they are to budge because you just have this giant Thai palace in the middle of Singapore. <laughs> it's great. Um, and, you know, I just sort of thought of that when you were mentioning it. The yeah, yeah. royal seal of approval. And it obviously probably means a lot more than it sounds like it's probably... It sounded very important and, like, it was hard, genuinely hard to get one. And like genuinely fascinating ones. that it is still independent. Or not independent, but owned by... The same family. That is... Um, it's probably one of the few macro lives that hasn't been owned by a big multinational corporation. Yeah, I can't think of many. Yeah. Fascinating. If we any. If have, any, actually. Have a try and be back with our thoughts. All right, so Singer. After that, I'm a little bit sad to say that it's it's a good little uh, chat and 
It's not a good beer. Mate. No, it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> um, I feel like I have had okay memories of this in the past, but to be honest, I don't have it pretty infrequently. And yeah, I don't have it enough. But my memories of this are better than what we've got here. It's a bit heavy for like what it is, and like a bit it sticks on the palate too much, and not in a nice way. No, not in a nice way. It's very metallic. It's yeah, quite bitter. Unpleasantly bitter. It's not like a nice bitter. No. And yet, it's also too sweet. Mm. <laughs> There's just too much. Like, it's not really... You can't really throw it back, but you don't really want to savour it, so... No. Um, I don't like it at all. This is probably the first time I've tried it in, like, a critical setting. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And, yeah, it could just be that it's not a very good beer. I think it... I'd also be interested if it's that we... You're normally eating quite nice Thai food. Yeah. I mean... It could well work with Thai food. We're, we're judging everything on its own merits. That's right. Yeah. And by itself, in what we've got in front of us, it's not good. Yeah, so the conversation with this one kind of went, is it better than Red Stripe? Definitely. Is it better than Tiger? Probably not. Yeah. Um, and I say this as somebody who doesn't like Tiger very much at all. Yeah. Um, but It hurts me that it's this low. But yeah. It is. I was really hoping that we would enjoy this. Um, I guess we'll be back with Moretti. Okay, so we got Vera Moretti. Uh, last, just get the elf in the room out of the way. Um, we didn't do Peroni. We didn't do Peroni. Didn't do Nastro or Red, and we decided that Moretti was a more f- accurate reflection of what Italians would probably consider. Moretti's definitely the beer in Italy that yep. they drink. Um, Peroni Red is what they drink in Italy, mm. and there's not that many Peroni Red check-ins worldwide compared to Nastro Azzurro. Yeah. Which is the export. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of where the waters get muddied. So I think it's sort of like safe to say, this is the, the Italian beer. I'm pretty happy to go with this. Um, I think there's probably an active sort of reflex saying, like, why aren't you doing Peroni? Yeah. And I think the split, coupled with the fact that, you know, Meridi is probably considered by a lot of Italian people, going by anecdotal evidence, that... Meridi's the beer that I got quite drunk on Italy. Yeah, on. that's good enough. Um, I mean, if anyone has strong opinions, feel free to let us know. Yeah, we're um, open. Happy to, it. to listen. But uh, we sort of we did have a discussion about this. This is not something we did sort of completely flippantly. We no, we thought about it. Yeah, and we decided that Meridi was probably the most accurate reflection. It's a tough one. Italy is a tough one to do. They're also yeah, they're very similar in untapped chickens, which is one of the metrics we were using. Yeah, and uh, sort of this is where we end up. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going with Meridi. Um, anything to talk about with Meridi? sure that's plenty there's actually lots it's got a quite a cool history that i did not realize um so founded by luigi moretti funnily enough makes sense uh 1859 in udine which is in northeastern italy but at the time was part of the austrian empire oh there you go yeah things you find out their initial capacity was two hundred and fifty thousand liters now it's something like 250 million liters that checks out um owned by the family until 1989 um it was sold to like a few other local brewers, um, moved through a few bits and pieces before it ended up as Heineken in yep. 1996. As they all do. In exactly. The they go to one of the big ones eventually. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, that's all we've got. Yeah. Um, I will just say, before we talk about the beer, I really like the label. I always have. It's very simple, but I know, it has this old school appeal that has lasted. It's nice that they haven't changed that. I, I assume that's one that's been around for quite a while yeah just gets a little update every now and then um i really like it and i hope they keep it nice little bottle as well embossed glass it's just a yeah a nicely designed little package yep and we've got proper imported already good 
Yeah. Is there even Meridi brewed outside of Italy? Uh, I would assume so at 250 million litres. But who Something knows? Something to look into, maybe, though. Who interesting. knows? Interesting. We'll be back in a moment with that. All right, so Meridi... Um, it's pretty solid. It's definitely uh like less sweet, better crafted kind of lager. More malt. Yeah. There's no corn here, at least that I can pick up. Definitely not strong nuts. It's pretty pretty sure it's it would be all malt. Yeah. Having a taste of that. Um some grassy hops, maybe bitterness is a bit rough around the edge. Yeah, I think there's almost a little too much bitterness. Not like the right kind. It's sort of more of a back pellet rather than a front yeah. sort of bill of bitterness. And um, that's that kind of lingering bitterness is never super pleasant. No, and it certainly isn't conducive to drinking quite a few. Lots of, of exactly, yeah. Um, it, it's still a well-crafted lager. It's like it's a better class of lager than a lot of what we've had. Um, so we've sort of decided it goes in between Sapporo and Corona. So sneaks into the top eight. Yep. You know, wins its last game by goal. The <laughs> honour of getting belted by fifth. Um <laughs> So yeah, I think it's it's pretty middle of the pack, um, which I'm mildly disappointed by. I thought we were a chance to have a top five contender here. Yeah, and I, I quite enjoy Meridis usually, but um, we can only go off by trying to be as unbiased and exactly and just so trying to look at it critically. And I think that's um yeah, that's about where it belongs. Yeah, and um, it's it's yeah, it's a better beer. It's definitely it. like a step above the other stuff we've had today. Yeah, but oh, um, yeah, it's not. Not that the bar was set very high. No, exactly. That's kind of what I'm, yeah, what I'm getting at. It's it's certainly a well-crafted product, but it's not like... It's not outstanding in its Yeah, class. it's just a decent lager, and, um, which is not really a bad thing. No. We'll, we'll take that. I'll probably still drink Moretti occasionally. I think, again, this is another thing that would be far better with food. I think that bitterness would be far less... Yeah, and I um, guess that's... Yeah, dominant. One of the things that kind of gets hurt in this. But every everything's being judged without food. Yeah, exactly. So, everything's yeah. being judged as on a cleaner palate as we can. Yeah. And, yeah. So that is... Um, we've got Beer Moretti slots in at 8th. Cantina slots in at 12th. Singer slots in at 15th. So it's probably one of the lower ranked groupings we've had. Yep. But, um... You know, positive is Tusker's out of the bottom five. Yes, and I did think that was a bit of a travesty when I looked at it. Yeah, that didn't feel right. It wasn't a great bottle of no, Tusker, but, but we as both we were saying, quite like Tusker. Yeah, and as we were saying earlier, it's about what we get presented. Exactly. If we if, if we can selling, only find yeah, if it's macro lager, it should be shelf stable. Yeah, and it's whatever we can find. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's going to do us for this episode because we are going to a little event at our West Side. It works, so we're not going to do a cellar today. No, I've got to save our palates for some tequila and blue cheese. And... Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, as always. We'll be back in the new year, and hopefully this will be up before the new year. Hopefully. It'll be my, my Christmas resolution. <laughs> um, as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can go to the Bureau Clock Facebook page, or you can direct them to gus.norris7 at gmail.com. You've got it down. It only took me a year and a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll be back. Thank you for listening as always. And see you in 2020.